of a church, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be looking at Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. That's uh, what we call the book of Ephesians, and it's found on page 1664. We'll read uh, that first section, Ephesians 1, 1 through 14, for this first in an 11-part series on the book of Ephesians. So Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let all God's people say, Amen. Oh, beloved in Christ, today we begin an 11-week series, as I mentioned, on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey and is actually about 500 miles west of the epicenter of the earthquake that just happened. Ephesus was a very wealthy city because it was located as a gateway between the east and the west, a gateway by both land and sea. It was a major trade route city. Ephesus ranked right up there with Rome in wealth and affluence. Ephesus boasted one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple of Artemis, Greek goddess called Diana in Roman mythology. An enormous temple as large as one and a half football fields. There's my Super Bowl reference. That's done now, okay? 
And its main attraction was an image of the fertility goddess Diana said to have fallen directly from heaven to earth. And 250,000 residents of Ephesus worshipped that goddess at that temple. Imagine being a tiny church in the middle of this city. Trying to be the church in an exceedingly non-Christian pagan city in the middle of throngs of people who worship the goddess Diana, who daily break God's first commandment, who think their children and their food are direct blessings from the fertility that Diana has brought them, who think their lives, their very lives, hinge on their being able to satisfy the goddess Diana. You're trying to grow your church trying to meet your neighbors, tell them about Jesus. All they can talk about is how great Diana is. Do you think you'd ever get discouraged, depressed, or worse, tempted to go along with the goddess Diana idolatry crowd? If I lived there, I'd want to move away. I'd be so discouraged, I think. But then you get this letter from the Apostle Paul with this incredible blast of praise to the living God right at the beginning. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Imagine getting that letter when your church is barely hanging on. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Beautiful doxology, lifting up praise to the one true God. A blast of blessing to God. Praise be to the Father, God, and to his Son. Glorious way to start a letter. And just what those tired discouraged Christians needed to hear someone singing the praises of God, encouraging them by telling them God and God alone, not Diana, is worthy to be praised. They hear what God has done, is doing, and will do for them. They hear of his grace. Here they can trust him. Here someone express gratitude for what God has done for them. That's what the Apostle Paul's letter does for them. That's how the first chapter begins. Paul presents to these believers in Ephesus the mother load of reasons for praising God. I'm sure like me, you've seen video clips of some of the rescues from the rubble dug out from the recent earthquake in Turkey. A baby just delivered and alive pulled from the wreckage, people weeping with joy. A father receiving after 20 hours his just rescued four-year-old son in his arms. And what is he saying as he weeps? A thousand times, thank God. We sing that. 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's what we have in these opening verses. The mother load of reasons for praising God. We have the mother load of praise for God's blessings to his believing people. So the Ephesian Christians and we today, we go digging into this mother load 
of 14 verses for things to praise God for. The first truth today that you dig out of the mother load of heavenly blessings is this. You have a family. Not like any other family on this earth. It's a family that's been in the mind of God since before the creation of the world. You've been part of it for that long. You have a family whose father is God himself. Listen to verse 4. For God the Father chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. Verse 5. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. What do you do when you find out that you have an adoptive father who adopted you as a child of God from before the creation of the world? You praise his glorious grace, says Paul. What you do in response to the truth that you have a family is you adore your adopter who is God the Father in Jesus Christ. You have a loving family for in love God predestined us for this family. A family destined to be holy and blameless in God's sight. A loving family with a loving father with a holy calling. Your father calls you righteous and blameless despite your sin. This is what God the Father adopts you into. Is it any wonder the Apostle Paul here adores his adopter to the praise of his glorious grace, he says. He has a family. And so do the Ephesian Christians. And so do we in 2023. That same family. All these people around you are your brothers and sisters. Same father. He adopted them too. All those who come to believe in Jesus Christ for their salvation believe because the Father has out of love his pleasure and his perfect will has adopted them into his family. You and I have a family. Do you realize what that means? You may come here today with lots of blood relatives in this church. You're blessed. Others come here today with just a few maybe an immediate family. Some come here today without any. To all of these, God says, the truth is, you have a family, not of this earth. It's a heavenly realm family. This family has me, God, as its father, and this family has hundreds of millions of other believers as brothers and sisters. You come here today, maybe your family, extended family, is in shambles. People aren't speaking to each other in your family. Maybe you come here today with desperate loneliness. You need a word of good news. You have one. You have a family whose father is God, whose savior is Jesus, whose siblings are everyone you see around you that believes and around the world. You've got a family that loves you because you've got a father who loved you first. Adore your adopter. A number of years back, our family was driving down side streets in Chicago near Wrigley Field. We were heading to a game. Uh, a Chicago streets and sanitation tow truck was in front of us. And the street had cars parked on both sides with a single one-way lane in the middle. Just room for cars to go through, just one lane. All the parking meters were covered. And they said, no parking. 
everyone was parked illegally. This tow truck in front of us backed at an angle into a car that was parked there just ahead of us. Driver got out, checked everything, got back in, and what happened next took less than 20 seconds. A big steel arm from the back of that tow truck maneuvered under the front wheels behind and before them, and the operator used some controls to lift the front of that car up with that steel arm and slide that arm over until the car had been, I can think of no better word for it, plucked, plucked right out from its parking space and was now very safely tucked behind the tow truck, getting its very own trip to the police impound lot. Allison looked at me, I looked at her, and she said, wow, that was quick. 20 seconds, if that. That car was adopted. <laughs> right out of one family, the line of parked cars, into a new family. The cars at the impound lot. The tow truck being the car's newfound father. Now, the analogy breaks down because no one is doing this out of love or for the car to be holy and blameless, and two cars can't have much of a relationship, but there it was. For a moment, the picture of our adoption by our adoptive father, God. He plucks us out of the clutches of the sinful nature and Satan and the world and gives us our very own father who loves us forever. The analogy breaks down again because the car's owner is not going to adore the adoptive tow truck operator in any way other than paying him a fine. But we can, you see, we can, just like Paul does here, we can adore the adopter because, well, because we now have a family. Same as Paul did. Same as the Ephesian Christians, we can adore the adopter. Second truth you dig out of the mother load of heavenly blessings is this. You have forgiveness. Forgiveness is this mother load of blessing. You have this forgiveness in the mother load of blessing. You can't miss it. Verse 7, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Did you hear it? Redemption through Christ's blood, which means the forgiveness of sins. Years ago in Bible times, a slave could be redeemed for a price. Someone would pay the price for a slave's freedom. And redeemed, he was set free. Isn't that what God has graciously done for us? He has redeemed us with the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ's blood paid the price for our sins. We no longer owe payment for our sin because at the cross, Christ finished that payment with his death and with his blood. He redeemed us. Go back to the impounded car for a moment. Don't combine it now with the adoption image. You'll get all mixed up. Forget I even said it. Pretend it's a brand new illustration. Once the car gets to the pound, it's sitting there with a bunch of other unredeemed cars. But its true owner shows up, pays the price of the fine to free her car. She redeems it. That debt is forgiven. The car goes free. And that's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. His blood has bought forgiveness for our sins. 
paid sin's debt and redeemed us. What do you do now? Paul says you rejoice in your Redeemer. That's what you do. Can you hear Paul rejoicing to the praise of his glorious grace? We hear it over and over. How many of us are dying to hear that they are forgiven today? How many of us would dare come to the Lord's Supper in a couple of weeks without the truth that we've been redeemed and forgiven by the blood of Jesus? We are. From every angry word we hurled at a brother or sister in our family, from every impure thought, from every cheating action, from every awful thing we've ever done. God says, you're forgiven. Some of us are desperate to hear that again today. We're drowning in guilt. My friend, you are forgiven with forgiveness that comes through Jesus' blood. And that blood, listen, is the only thing that God will even consider for redeeming us, for forgiving us. And you and I have that blood, well, it's spilled all over us. So rejoice, rejoice in your Redeemer. Third truth you dig out of the mother load of heavenly blessings is this. You have a future. Verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. Talk about a future. God has had his purpose for the church from the very beginning, and it is intimately tied up with his son, Jesus Christ. It's all wrapped up with Jesus. Has that started already? Sure it has. For Christ has come. This bringing together of all things in heaven and on earth under Christ was inaugurated when Christ ascended into heaven to sit at his Father's right hand in glory. Forty days after the resurrection, Jesus was reigning as king in heaven. That's when the fulfillment was begun. That's when this final purpose of God was revealed. That Christ was king over all, is king over all. And we know this mystery, that Jesus Christ is Lord, is king, that all of history, all creation, all people, everything will one day submit to the lordship of Christ. We know this mystery, and so we are already, have, have submitted ourselves to his kingship. There will come a day when all will submit. Aren't you glad that you already do this willingly? The day is coming when everyone will, and many on that day will submit unwillingly. These will be destined for eternal punishment, but you for eternal glory, for you do it willingly. You do it willingly now. Imagine in Ephesus now, hearing this bit of encouragement. With goddess Diana worship going on all around you, what a blessing it must have been to hear that what they had done in giving their lives to Christ meant future glory for them. God was saying to them through the Apostle Paul that those who bowed the knee to the goddess Diana 
had no future. They were in the majority, very much so the majority. They were, they were the wealthy. They, they thought they had it all. But as it turned out, it was the followers of Christ who had the only real future. A day is to come when Christ would put everything under his feet and be all in all. That purpose of God has been in place since the beginning. And Paul says one more thing about it. He says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. What do people who have a future do? Paul tells us they praise God for his purpose. The purpose he is working out day in and day out. He's working his eternal purposes out according to his will and his will alone. What hope the Ephesian Christians must have felt when they heard this. That their future was one that God himself was working out in Christ Jesus and was secure. Praise him for his purpose. Some of you today are living in a present, present day with not a lot of hope. Maybe you have a disease or a disability that immobilizes you with fear for the future every day. Maybe you're dealing with being unemployed, don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you feel your marriage crumbling right out from under you. Whatever it is, you need a word of hope. You need to hear your future is according to God's eternal purpose and his will, that God has your future safely held for you, an eternal future when the wrongs will all be set right, when Christ will rule over everything, when every knee will bow and we will be for the praise of his glory. What a hope we have. Some of us need to hear again that God knows the plans he has made for us, plans to prosper, not to harm us, you have a future, so praise God for his purpose. Fourth and final truth you dig out of the mother load of heavenly blessings, it's this. You have a for sure. This is all for sure for you. All these heavenly blessing realm, or all these heavenly realm blessings in the mother load are for sure for you because you have the Holy Spirit. He is your for sure guarantee. Listen to verse 13. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You have a for sure, a for sure in the Holy Spirit. He lives in those who believe. God says, I'm going to give it all to you. The family, the forgiveness, the future, all of it. You're going to have a nice big chunk of it already in this life, and the rest is coming in the heavenly realms when my purposes are all worked out. Here's your for sure deposit for that, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the deposit in the text. Literally, he is the earnest that's a real estate word I'm sure a lot of us know. Someone is going to buy a house. She puts up earnest money up front to get the house off the market. 
the buyer is saying, I earnestly want that house. I don't want anyone else to have it. So here's some earnest money that says, I will get the money to pay for the rest of the house. I'll get the loan, whatever. It's off the market now. God says, I want you, the people I've raised out of your sinful lives to new life in Christ. I want you so badly, I'm going to give you my earnest money to let you know that what I have in mind to bless you with every spiritual blessing with the best yet to come is for sure. You already get the Holy Spirit as the for sure down payment, the earnest money. The rest is yet to come. The final redemptive event when Jesus returns is coming. When it does, the rest of the mother load will be yours. The Holy Spirit living in you is your for sure of that. Beloved, you have the for sure. For those who believe in Jesus, you have the guarantee. And what does Paul do in response? He gives God the glory for the guarantee. You, may, you also have security that this future is for sure. So give God glory. Give glory to God for that guarantee, that earnest money, that deposit. Some of you need to hear the for sure today once more. Your faith is wavering with doubts. How can, how can you not be filled with a bit of doubt when the world is as it is, seemingly spiraling away any shred of morality? You need a for sure word of good news, and you got it. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. He is your for sure, and it's all true. Your wavering faith need waver no longer because it is all for sure. Not because you say it or I say it, but because God says it. God says it is for sure. Just like Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The Spirit of God says it in your heart. It is finished. It's a done deal. Because I've been given to you as your for sure guarantee. Do you need to hear that today? Paul's first verses in this letter, they're all about this mother load. We dug into the mother load. And what we found, listen. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That's what I'm talking about. Adore him, rejoice in him, praise him, give him the glory. It's all true because of Christ. It's all true for those who believe in what he is doing, has done, and will do for us. My wife, as you know, teaches first grade. And when she's going through and teaching a Bible story to the kids, as they hear of the amazing things God has done. They have an exclamatory, exclamatory phrase that they use. They look at what God has done. They hear what she says he has done. And they say together that what he has done is a holy wow. These four heavenly blessings we heard tonight from Ephesians, are a holy wow. So let us pray. 
Dear God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we adore you, rejoice in you, praise you, and give you the glory. To the praise of your glory, we praise you for adopting us into your family, for forgiving us our sins, for giving us a hopeful future, and for filling us with the Holy Spirit of Christ, who is for sure. To the praise of your glory, holy wow. In Jesus' name, we pray it. Let all God's people say, amen.